Welcome to The Power of Makeup, brought to you by Timely Business Management Software. After a successful career as a beauty editor at a Sunday supplement, Lauren Ezekiel was often found shooting editorial all over the world, interviewing celebrities and working with top industry professionals. On this episode, Lauren looks back at her career and discusses the importance of building relationships as well as the stark contrast between a professional and personal life. Lauren, so uh, welcome to this podcast. Thank you for having um, me. You're welcome. And the thing is, for anyone that's listening, you were um, part of my copywriter in my very first series. So, yeah. And I wanted you on that one, and I'm so glad I've got you now. Well, um, I, get, I get the inside. I get to actually listen to it on the day live and sort of get to experience the emotions, the highs, the lows, and goes on the journey with, with everyone that you've had on because you've had some amazing people on. Thank you. I mean, for everyone that's listening, uh, my memories of you, obviously, yeah. um, how I met you was by accident, which I didn't know until I I have it such a, it's so vivid in my mind in that old building in uh, where the sun and the news of the world used to be behind mm. the whopping wall. And I mean, it was terrible. It was, it was the opposite of glamour, wasn't it? People used to think, oh, you've got these glamorous jobs, but yeah. this was in an old factory building behind a really awful wall. And you came upstairs and you were meant to meet my fashion director mm -hmm. who was too busy to meet you yeah. and she sent me out and I probably I was I was a fashion assistant at the time and I was so embarrassed I was like oh god I'm so sorry but you know I'll come and look at your book and I remember opening your book and it was just like nothing I'd seen before I just had a realize realization of the book no one would ever do that now would they but you actually oh, have a physical yeah. book where yeah. we would go through people's work look at look at pictures look at cuttings um, there was I remember there being like some Polaroids really full uh, these full bleed gorgeous pictures um, and I remember thinking oh god when I'm shooting I'm gonna I'm gonna book Lan um, she's gonna be part of my team when I'm shooting and, and at the time I although I worked in fashion I really wanted to move over to beauty and when I was working on shoots I was always obsessed with what the makeup artist was doing I'd always spend hours in there I I realised actually afterwards that I'd always been obsessed with beauty and products. Mm. I don't think I saw that as a natural career. You know, when I went to university to study journalism, I thought I was going to be war reporting. Um, I thought I was going to be like Kate Aidy, like you know, out on the field reporting back, you know, all these untruths. And it never really went like that for me. I, I did my first ever court reporting for a local newspaper, absolutely hated it. And I was like, no, 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 I'm going to go and work for a, a women's magazine. But I never really saw beauty as an industry to go into. Mm. I think in particular, probably around this point, it was fashion's ugly, ugly younger sister. Yeah. It, the, you know, the fashion team were the main team. Yeah. Um, beauty was always a bit of a side note. Um, it, it wasn't really important. Like they were sort of pushed aside, weren't they? Yeah, and I think I think the reason for that was because we didn't really have much social media. It wasn't a big thing then. See beauty and in the fashion industry or as a makeup artist, you didn't really look at any other industry than fashion. So everybody yeah. just wanted to get published. Everybody wanted to cover. Everyone wanted to do editorial. And, you know. But it was never a beauty yeah. lead. No, it was always, never. you know, the, the, the makeup came afterwards. This mm. was the shoot. This was the styling. This was the, you know, the idea. This was the mood board. 
And then it, this was the makeup. I, hair, actually, I think sometimes had a bit more. You, you sort of knew that. I remember my fashion director, she always loved hair. She always had sort of tears for hair. But I don't mm. really remember her having a sort of tears for makeup, to be quite honest, as well. At that point, it was very minimal. Mm. That was the makeup trend. Yeah. You know, it was really, really minimal because it was sort of that, you know, the what was it like the 2000s of of like yeah. Kate Moss and people like that maybe a smudgy eye or a lip but there was yeah. nothing you know there wasn't all of these amazing um makeup looks that we were using in our in the magazine so when I sort of wanted to make the change everyone thought it was a bit strange why would you want to move over to beauty when I mean, you mm. you could go up the ranks in fashion um, but I just had this feel for it because, as I say, I've always been obsessed with products. I used to spend all my money on products. Yeah. I have loads of like really distinct memories of like buying products, what they meant to me, saving up money. I, I always liked them more than fashion. But then, so tell me, um, when you actually moved to the beauty yeah. side, um, what was your first sort of point of call? Like, how did you go I, about... I moved over picking... shooting, actually, mm. because obviously where I'd assisted um, a stylist and Tracy, the fashion director at Fabulous, oh, was amazing. And, oh, my God, I mean, I did not have that background. I don't particularly have that natural creativity, but she is was so amazing. She's such, like, a visual leader that I learned from her. And mm. I was, I've always been a very good learner. Like, I would say that it's... For me, it's never been a natural talent, whether that was the writing or the styling or anything that's come since then. It's always been the grafting. Yeah. I put in the hours, I learn, I take it in, I absorb it. So I moved over and started shooting because they were like, well, you've assisted the fashion director, so you must have a visual eye. You can go off shoot the beauty. And I went off and started shooting beauty. And I, I was shooting beauty before I even was writing. So that's how I moved over. And I think probably at that point is when I probably got in contact with you. But the other thing that I've always been very good at is not delegating, but understanding people's skills. Mm. So I knew I didn't have the, you know, I didn't have that natural visual thing. So I was like, ah, but I saw somebody's book that did. And that's how I got you involved. And that's why I think when we did shoot and when we shot with other hairdressers and with photographers, I, I let then the team do their work mm. because I sort of always, you know, we talk about imposter syndrome, but mm. I always felt a little bit like the imposter. I hadn't come from an art background. I didn't have a natural styling flair. You found me most of the time in jeans, trainers and yeah. a T-shirt, which you still do, right? I, you know, I still don't get that much joy out of clothes. So I thought I, I always just hid behind a really good team. And mm. I think that is how I progress so so quickly and so well actually because I really trusted the people that I worked with. But also you were such a doer, you knew yes. exactly what you wanted so that was quite clever because I know from an artist's point of view and hearing other clients when they book people it's based on what you show and what you showcase so it's so important what you do put out. You know yes. people are like oh don't worry just put out whatever you want but actually when it comes to clients and beauty ads like booking artists you go by what's in their book don't you totally yeah a hundred percent I think obviously I've come pre-social media we didn't have mm. social media so it was also personality um if I thought I could bounce off somebody because I think that's always been really important for me I think 
I'm really big on collaboration. I'm really big on teamwork. Mm. You know, even my three-year-old, you say to him, you know, what what makes us the best? And he goes, teamwork makes the dream work. You yeah. know, because I'm very much about yeah. that team. And, you know, when we went on trips, I made sure my team felt like superstars, right? Because I yeah. always thought that was, that was the best way of getting the best out of them. Treat them well, yeah. you know, let them have a good time. Don't feel like they're being micromanaged, you know, and then I got the best out of them which then made me look so good yeah. but I mean you used to always give the best brief but you'd always say well do what you like you know and that, yeah. that freedom was brilliant um no I always have ideas mm. you know and I, I always had ideas and I was always but I was always surprised myself when they came when they came about I, I was very good at finding locations yeah sort of the business side of it organizing shoots on budget mm finding these amazing houses or random places in Miami. Do you remember yeah. when we went to Miami and we walked past that that, that that house? I was like, we need to shoot there. It's like, uh, okay, yeah, we're going to do that. That was always my skill, it was, you know, because I suppose my skill has always been a communicator. Mm. So I knew how to talk to these people and get them, get them to do what I wanted. I mean, yeah, and I think, you know, when you had your article, just going back to, to the bit where you did Lauren Does, and it's uh, a, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, that was the beginning era of the selfie era because you put yourself <laughs> in yeah. everybody else's shoes. And that's what I love because, like, I think at that time I, I knew what I was projecting, giving out for, for beauty ideas or makeup ideas, but then you come along and then ask a question. I'm like, oh, actually, mm-hmm. and then I have to think about how do I process that? So you were well, very good at seeing it from I've always the seen c- consumer or totally. and sharing that's the right knowledge. What I've seen my skill. Mm. My skill has always been, how do we get, how do we get backstage to front, right? How do we explain when you go to a skincare launch, for example, and it's really high tech, loads of technology, loads of research, how do we explain that to the person that is just looking at it on a shelf, that hasn't got someone there to Mm. explain it to them? And I think that's where Lauren does came in because, um, which is how I pitched it basically. It was like, let's show people what these looks look like on a real person, right? It wasn't, I don't know, I never really thought about it being my face. And you know, when we worked on the shoots, I'd edit those pictures as if it was someone else. I don't mm. look at those pictures. I never cared if they were good, bad. I didn't care if I looked ugly. It, it wasn't It wasn't about that. It was about showing somebody the looks mm. and how they could translate into everyday life. And sometimes they worked and sometimes they looked ridiculous, yeah. <laughs> which was brilliant. You know, I saw, you know, Kendall Jenner at the Met Ball with her, her bleached eyebrows. Mm. Oh, babes, we did that 10 years ago. right because that was on all the catwalks I was like well actually can somebody who's not a supermodel wear this in real life the answer is categorically no right do not try it especially if you've got dark hair but that was the fun side of it Mm. and I I think with social media when we were trying things that's how it started that's how it started with the how-to's where it's gone now Mm. has been completely different but it started with people trying out products, people going to the shops, buying them, trying them on themselves, seeing if they worked. And that's where people fell in love with that side of social media because it felt real, uh, which was exactly what we were doing yeah. with Lauren Does. Um, it's just funny that it then, it just hasn't continued on that. And I think that was where with me, I felt Lauren Does had also run its course. Yeah, And I also didn't want to, I was very comfortable with it being inside a magazine and as part of my job. I wasn't as comfortable with it being me. 
Yeah, I did notice that because I was like, oh my God, one of the, the best beauty writers, um, I mean, I relate to, and I know like any time I read any of your status on anything, political views, and <laughs> um, you're fighting for somebody or something, yeah. it's just so relatable. And I absolutely love reading everything that you do. Um, you know, why do you think that is? Do you... I'm honest. Yeah. I'm such an oversharer. I mean, to the point where it's a little bit chronic. Um, I've actually tried to hone it in in the last year. Do you get in trouble? No. Uh, no, do you know what? I've never got in trouble. And I've always been quite controversial. And I've mm. said things, and I really will do. And there's things that I've said in the past that I would never say now. And I learn, and I'm open to it. That's what I said. I'm alert. I, I love learning. Mm. I'm actually the biggest loser ever. Most <laughs> nights you will find me Googling some ridiculous subject and to the point where I have literally, like, the, the, the neurosis is, is out of control. But I love it. I just love information. I love finding out things about people. I like finding out things about different subjects. And I think that comes across when I write. That and I think, yeah, and I think that's why you've an answer for absolutely everything <laughs> yeah. from IP law to whatever. And if you don't know, you'll come back one sec. Blah, 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 blah. Lauren not, does. Yeah. Got I it. go and research yeah. it. Like, it's, yeah. like I, I like... I might sound clever, but it's because I've read a load of things that other people have done. Like, yeah. I don't like to be wrong. I really yeah. don't like to be wrong. I really don't like to have misinformation. So I, I'll go back and read it until, yeah. I, until I don't. And I think I've approached everything in that mm. way. And the only problem I've had is then when something doesn't align with me, I can cut it off quite quickly, yeah. which has good and bad. I've, yeah. I tend to cut things off when they, they no longer align with me even if they're really times, good opportunities, you just I cut them. Cut them off. Yeah, I, I think it's just because I've probably researched them to the point of no return, or <laughs> you know something. something uh, I mean, ridiculous. that's something you have, which is integrity, and you know that, that's. Oh yeah, I'd rather I'd rather die by my word than sort of you know. Yeah. That. So I think that's why we get off so well. Oh yeah. Um, but I mean, you know, as you know, from what you've done, um as an entrepreneur as well as mm. I see you as as this sort of person because you do a bit of everything you know you do you say you don't want to do marketing or or social stuff but you actually are very good at everything well, it's so. funny because somebody said to me recently like how do you always wear these different hats and I was like well mm. I don't I, I was in a bit I was in a job for 12 years you know I was beauty editor well, I was beauty editor for eight years but at the magazine for 12 years and then I realised, actually, well, hang on, when I started at the magazine, I was running a cheerleading group on the side. Um, yes. And, and I, I started that when I was 18 years old. Um, and I have always, and then I'm like, oh, hang on, I've always done loads of different things. It's always been something, oh, I'll mm. do this and I'll also do that and I'll help them out with this. But and you've also excelled on every single part because when you say, oh, yeah, whole, just a cheerleading group. And then I look at the video, I'm like, holy shit, this is yeah, like I don't, the yeah. cheerleading squad. And then you just go and do your move. And I'm like, wow, you know, like yeah, everything I, you've done has. I have a limitless, I would mm. say my biggest asset has always been my limitless sort of mindset. I never, but when people say like, that's too good to be true, or yeah. you can't achieve that, my answer is, why? Like, yeah. I genuinely don't know why. Yeah. Like, I think, obviously, that was what happened during the pandemic when, mm. you know, I set up the charity. And yeah. I remember people saying to me, well, how are you going to do this? And I was like, does it matter to you? I'll work it out. Thank you very yeah. much. And I did. Yeah, because I remember you telling me about this charity. And I was like, okay, just go for it. And then tell me what you need. And then... You know, what did you do? I mean, 
to set yeah. up a whole charity. I mean, it's. I mean, like when I look back on it now, it's crazy. It's, it's actually crazy because that literally started. I was watching the news in bed. It was ten o'clock at night, March the twenty fifth, so twenty twenty. So you know, right yeah. at the start of the pandemic, we all thought we were going to die, didn't we? I yeah. mean, let's face it, we had no idea what was going on, and there was this thing about um, nurses needing hand cream, and I was like, what? Right, and I remember th sitting there in bed thinking, now bearing in mind, I'd only just left the magazine to have my second child, but I knew the amount of samples that are in the, the beauty industry. I knew how many, how many brands, you know, what brands had. And I was like, hang on, there'll be boxes of hand cream sitting in PR's offices or sitting in warehouse or sitting in shops. Somebody surely can get these hand creams to nurses who are out there, you know, fighting for us. And um, then I realised that person would be me. So I was like, fine, I'll do it then. No one else can do it, I'll do it. And I literally sent an email to my contact list, which, which to be fair, was a pretty extensive contact list. I think it was about 300 PRs. Um, but the response was unbelievable. And within, oh, within the first few days, I had 25,000 products donated. Within three weeks, it was 50,000. By the end, we had over 350,000 products donated. And I mean, we were able to donate goodie bags to it. What actually, how it, how it sort of progressed is we went from doing hand creams to, um, I suddenly got, actually it was one brand. They said, oh, we've got hair masks. Can we do anything with a hair mask? And I was like, actually, these people are, you know, risking everything. They're working long hours while we're sitting at home. I wanted to give them what I believe is the, you know, the most important thing, the, the most powerful thing with the beauty industry. I wanted to give them that moment for them. So I was like, actually, I'm going to send another email. And this time I'm going to ask for any beauty products because I'm going to make them goodie bags. Because when I was at the magazine, I used to, if somebody was going through a breakup or illness or anything I would make them up a goodie bag right and I would really mm. put the, curate these amazing goodie bags and I, get, I had so much joy giving them to people and I know how much joy they gave to people especially people in really terrible situations I mean I had a friend whose mum was going through cancer treatment and you know she was so thankful to have these products because her hair had started falling out her, her skin had got dry um, so I was like I'm going to make goodie bags and I'm going to send them out to as many people as I possibly can and it started with me um, physically delivering them you know in yeah. boxes yeah. and then I got I had so much help like my local community was ridiculous and we had over 125 volunteers we had two warehouses that was running Incredible. we had vans going left right and center I mean I looked at a text message I sent the other day where we'd, we'd distributed 470 goodie bags to over seven hospitals in London on one day and then fabulous came back to me yeah. And we joined with them and then they got UPS involved and it went nationwide, which is how it managed to go to everywhere else. But it was it was such a privilege to be able to be in that position to do it, which yeah. I think is the bit that people don't always get. Like, I knew that those individuals, whether they were the cleaner, that I, I never bothered, I never cared who was the person that got in touch with me. It was because it actually didn't matter, Yeah. right? If somebody felt that they needed that goodie bag, I was wanted to provide them with one. Mm. Does that does that yeah, make any no. sense? It didn't. It didn't matter to me. And actually, 
the feedback that I got from my volunteers was they it saved them as well. It stopped boredom. I had people say to me, thank God we're making these goodie bags because our marriage wouldn't survive this. Yeah. You know, it, there, it was such a sort of 360 organisation mm. well, that, that beauty, that what people think is yeah. frivolous yeah. and not important, but it did it. But you created a job for so many people and yourself. <laughs> yeah, it kept me busy for kept me out of trouble for three months. Yeah, and I remember listening to all your um, your rants and raves about government as well. So you were very prolific as well in like bringing just a lot of things to the forefront. I felt mm. like a lot of issues, which was amazing. Um, you know, and I feel like you know you've changed a lot of people's mindsets. You don't know it, but like mm. your stories and everything that you put out there. I mean, you will often say it yourself. You know. You put something out and then you have so much help, you know, so that must be a testament, you know, to yeah, how good you are. Yeah, I think as well, I've always had that, um, be nice to everybody. Mm -hmm. You never know where they're going or where they've been. Yeah. Right. So that is nice at the top, the bottom, because you, you've, you know, it, titles and, and positions don't speak history. So I had people that I'd met in the industry who were assistants, but were now suddenly account directors that were like, oh, you yeah. were so nice to me then. So that's why we wanted to donate things to you. I had people that I'd had, you know, I'd gone to school with who suddenly came out of the woodwork and were collecting up and organizing bags and getting their their kids at yeah. high school to make bags for us like yeah. somebody got in touch with me and she's like our oh, school all the kids the vulnerable kids that were in and um, she was like we'll make up bags they made up 750 bags and sent them to our local hospital you know it was so lovely mm. to do that and be in that position to do it and you know it, it it used a lot of skills that I didn't realize were so transferable yeah that sort of logistical, you know, working things like that out. It, it wasn't an understanding what those products meant for mm. everyone. You know, I was like, I was, I'd go around the warehouse, I'd be like, they need a hair mask, they need a lipstick, they need a bronzer. <laughs> that almost sounds like, you know, with the whole thing, I can imagine like, well, you now, a camp like, and stuff. That, yeah. They need everything. No, we yeah. need a lip balm. No, a multi-balm is a yeah. different thing. Don't worry about yeah. it. Like those bags, every single one of them was curated yeah. with my beauty editor background so that that person yeah. had escapism yeah. for half an hour, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And also had that feeling of gratitude. Mm. That was very important to me, that people felt like somebody was noticing that they were doing work. Yeah. That's why I made sure that whoever got in touch with me could have one. Mm -hmm. So, because it, 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 you don't have to be a, you know, a top surgeon to deserve a, a goodie bag. You know, the cleaners were working just as hard. Yeah. The porters, you know, pe people like that, the, the GP receptionists, you know, they were working really hard at, dur during the pandemic. So, you know, that's why it was really important for me to get it so big. So, I mean, so the pandemic is, a, well, it's not finished, but, you know, our industry's opened up and mm -hmm. you're doing so many different collaborations and stuff. So what changes? I mean, I feel like everything's moving so fast. Yeah. And, you know, I see Well, that everything you changed. I yeah, mean, like, I mean, you know, better, worse. Um, how are you? How are you dealing with like work-wise? Work-wise, my world completely changed. But I think it was more that I changed. Um, mm. I suddenly, I valued a work-home balance in a different way. Um, I valued my personal mental well-being in a different way, mm. which I look back now and I hadn't, I hadn't placed any value on that. Um, I had a, I I was 
I was sort of the smoke. I was also taken in with the smoke and mirrors, which you know. So I was taken in. I mean, there there was one incident. So it always comes back to me where I'd, you know, a brand had like flown me somewhere. I'd interviewed um, a really massive global celebrity. I'd been flown back, and then I got back to my studio because right? at the time I lived in a studio, mm. and I sat and had McDonald's on the floor in my studio, and I was like. At the time, it was kind of glamorous, and now I look at it and go, that there, there was no real glamour there, right? Mm, it, yeah. It, there was the, the juxtaposition of my life and my work life was, you know, was was massive, and I put more emphasis on my work life than I did on my life, and I think that showed in lots of different ways in in how I my social activities, in my hobbies. There was there was so much pressure on making sure I reached the top of that career tree mm. that I didn't get to enjoy the journey in the same mm. way that I do now like now when I do something I enjoy it I love it I spend time on it but believe me if I'm busy or it's my family time or it's the weekend I'm not doing it right yeah I never had that before Yeah. Ever. I mean, I'm not being funny, but you do always look happier. You always there's always a sparkle in your eyes, even though yeah. there's other problems. But it feels like you have, as as long as I've known you, it feels like you have control over to say yes, no, no, yeah. thank you. And you know, it it's like it's okay because you know your worth totally. You know and that something else is going to come totally. And I think one of the the main things that I realized I wanted to achieve after doing. The, with the the charity did so much for me personally it did um, a million things for me but what it really did is it made me reflect afterwards and it made me think of what I valued um, and now the the greatest thing I value is that I have a clear mind as in my mind doesn't rush around I don't have a million other things that I can think of if I want to sit down and do some meditation I can just go my mind's quiet and that might not sound like a to something that should have a really high value but it has had the highest value on my mm. life because I can now take that into every area you know whether that's family personal work when you've got a quiet mind you can you can approach things in a mm. completely different way um, and I also realized I was like I don't I hadn't I wasn't grateful of any of those opportunities I don't even remember enjoying them right because mm. It was so flippant, you know, oh, I'm going to Beyonce this week in the Beyonce stage, and then I'm being flown to New York for Fashion Week, and then I'm shooting in Bermuda. I, I mean, I don't even remember enjoying it. I look back now, I think, Jesus Christ, what I did, there was a, I looked through my photos and between January um, and March 2013. I'd done more in those three months than I'd done for the last four years. Do I remember them? Do I appreciate them? Had I even taken a picture of them? No, I hadn't, right? Because I was far too busy thinking about the next thing, right? Mm. What we're doing next. So I decided that for me personally, I was going to think about now. I don't worry if the job is going to be there or the contract or this. I, I don't worry about that. And actually what I do is when I go to brands now, I explain that. I explain these type of things to them because I think... 
for years, brands have been so obsessed with what's happening in Q1 in 2024, mm. right? Well, hang on, we're in 2022 in Q3 or whatever. I don't really know the Qs. But like, should we worry about now? Because now is slightly <laughs> different because no, you know, I always talk about this, but we talked about Brexit and what could happen with Brexit happened for how many years? Years we talked about it. No one factored in if a pandemic would come along, did they? Right? So no one factored that factor in when they were doing all their mathematical things because the fact is you can pretend you know what's coming in the future, mm. but you don't. You don't. You don't. Yeah. And when you unlock that, you've got the you've got you've unlocked the key to life. So you worry about the job you're doing today. Right? Yeah. How many times did we do it where you think, oh, I can't work for that magazine because that magazine then won't book me? You know, back oh, in the day. I never oh, did that. I went, you in, actually I went didn't. For, I went for the kill of everyone. Anyone who tried to book me was first come, first you served. Very un- you down. were very you unusual. Were you were the first person, actually, I have yeah. to be honest, that used their real name with me because Ooh. Fabulous, no, honestly, yeah. Fabulous was you know, it was a tabloid Mm. and nobody used their real name apart from you. So I suppose at the time I didn't realise the risk of that mutual respect, but obviously look Mm. look at our our relationship now. Yeah. You know, that respect that you showed me and the publication at the time has, has continued. Whereas, you know, they didn't know any better because that's what they were told. Or don't do work with Lauren because then you'll never shoot for Elle or you'll never shoot for Vogue. You know, I could tell you some ridiculous stories of the lengths people have gone to to shoot their sort of commercial work and then shoot their high editorial mm. work. I mean, it's, it's outrageous. Yeah, I remember you telling me some stories where it was, <laughs> I was just couldn't believe my I ears. can't disclose um, You can't disclose, I know. But... Um, it's just really interesting that, you know, you say that I was the only one. Yeah. yeah. And I'm just like, oh, no, maybe I did something wrong. But you know what? I think I know. could die tomorrow and I'd still be happy. I didn't right. let you down. Exactly. Because I did your shoot and I helped you. But we've had this yeah. obsession, yeah. haven't we, with mm. the journey, with the end result. Hang on a second. Yeah. There's all these other days, right? Yeah. And I think once you get that, and I think... You know, that is something, especially that I speak to brands, you you get it now. So if you're telling the brands, you know, because obviously you value the artist and the power of the makeup. Yeah. So what, you know, what are you, what is your advice or what does it mean to you? Like when you're telling brands about it, because you're always advocating yeah. good makeup artists. Oh, always. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I think that, you know, it's the same with like, trends come and go but talent doesn't t- talent doesn't mm. um and i think that that's really important um and i think that whole that sort of that journey is what i'm talking about where you if you're going up on what you're trying to guess what a trend's going to be or if you're mm. going to guess who's going to be hot and who's not and going after somebody who's hot at that time and then dropping them you'll yeah. never build a relationship with somebody you'll never build an mm-hmm. understanding and you'll never be authentic and at the end of the day all people want is authenticity. I don't care whether that is from their food company, their clothing, that they want it to be authentic. And as a brand, if you continuously follow a trend rather than working with skilled workers who are talented, who have assisted, who have gone through the journey, who have done you know, the whole shebang, you're only ever gonna be superficial. You're only gonna have superficial success. Mm. So that's what I say to people, yeah. actually. I say, would well, you want superficial success? Do you want a quick cash? Yeah. Or do you, want a, do you want to be here for the long term? Because yeah. there's two different routes. 
you know, there's the quick cash route. There's a very successful tried and tested formula. Throw a lot of money at it, you'll make a lot of money back. Mm-hmm. Or do you build and, you, you know, use talent, use creativity, build up your your um, cu- your customer, build them in, you know, bring them in so that they stay loyal to you. Two different routes. I'm not going to tell you which is the right one. I was going to say, which, which one should we do? Look, I'm not money driven, so I'll always go for one. But I've, yeah. but you know what? I'm not driving. I'm not saying no to money. <laughs> also, I'm not. I'm not Kim Kardashian, who does. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. She's she goes after that big cat. You know, but you watch them when something doesn't work, they ditch it, right? Mm. They go after a trend, and then when something doesn't work, they go. This is clever, clever money people. I'm just not that person. <laughs> Interesting. Although, yeah, my mind is just going round, round, round. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so, um, yeah, so that's, I guess, your, your, your power is basically taking, doing it now, taking action. Well, just worrying about now, being present. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think being present is really important. And that is actually what I, yeah. for me, that's what makeup um, and skincare and the beauty industry does. It makes you present. You know, you go to the hair, you go for a hair appointment, you get your hair cut. On that day, you feel amazing. You know, I, when I was going through, you know, some personal struggles, I got up every morning and I did my skincare routine and I put my makeup on, not a heavy face of makeup, Mm. but just something. And you know what? That grounded me. It set me up for the day and it grounded me. Now, don't tell me that's frivolous and unimportant is so important Um, and it wasn't about hiding it wasn't about transforming myself it was about how my relationship with beauty and how positive that was and I think it's really important I think for as humans we need that we need that physical touch whether that's from ourselves or other people just to connect us to of course because if you look at that pandemic we lost so many people yeah for a lot of reasons and I feel like I still lost a lot of people because they're still very introvert totally and not gonna whereas my mindset was like oh okay what can we do now and you know, that's when I went and did all my other bits and, 100%. and tried to keep on working. Lots of people into TV and stuff, but oh, those that couldn't do anything, I've just moved completely out of the industry, and it's such a shame. I've lost so many beautiful souls. Um, it's really hard. But, it's yeah. really hard, and I think you know that was the one thing that ca- that was my massive take home. Like the people that came and helped me during the pandemic. You know, so many of them said, "Oh my God, this has saved me." You know, mm. it saved me. It's kept my sanity, and I yeah. I genuinely feel the same way. It kept my sanity. Every time I won sort of an award or any accolade, like accolade for it, I felt embarrassed because I felt I got way more than they did. Mm. Um, and I also noticed that the fear left those people because they'd stepped outside of their house. Because I think when we stay in, we become sort of very isolated, obviously, but we we our own worst enemies. We believe our truth that our thoughts are, are true. Mm. You know, and if you're in a negative space, your yeah. your thoughts are negative. And when you're not hearing other voices, it's it's really hard. But the minute you step out and you interact and you work with people, it's so much better. Um, and I, you know, I, I, I definitely learned that, you know, no man's an island, you know, we all work, we all, we all work better when we are together. And, you know, that's my, my, my best thing that's come out of the pandemic, I think. I mean, look at even this, the podcast. Yeah. Would this have happened without a pandemic? Maybe not. 
Because oh, would you maybe. have had all of the same people that you connected with during? Do you know what I mean? You connected yeah. with all these people, didn't you? I did, yeah, yeah. I think I, I'd like to see the industry lose what we were talking about before, where that, that sort of like the fakeness, the hierarchy. Let's promote talent. Let's promote people, whether they're you know. I think a, an assistant is just as important as a director. You know, I think. The, the same with makeup artists. Like, I think, you know, that's where I, I'd like to see that that's where we can go. I think because the ground has, it has been a bit levelling the last few years. You know, people have, you know, that they, they just have had to almost start from point zero. Obviously, some people have more of advantage than others. But um, I'd like to see that continue. And obviously, the flexibility. I think it's really important, particularly in a female-heavy industry. Yeah. Especially with family, because I do remember the first time when I was pregnant, everyone was like, oh, you're pregnant, more work for us, you're going to be gone. And I was like, what? And I remember having my baby, and then you were like, bring your baby. And I was like, what? And I brought the yeah, our, our she nanny. Was, she pooed my, on me. She pooed on you, yes. <laughs> she pooed on you. Six weeks old, and I, and I was, had a pooing baby on me. And I was absolutely mortified. And you're like, it's okay, babies love me. And I'm like, oh my yeah. God, but she just pooed on the oh beauty God. editor. I'm like, oh, but you know, and you were so calm. and well, thing, we all and, do it. And it I just, mean, come on. You know, it just took the pressure off me. And, you know, it was a switch because I was like, okay. You know, she, it wasn't so bad bringing the baby because I panicked because when she's pooing, changing. I mean, I remember going into my head and being yeah. so embarrassed and going, oh. And in my head, but I was I effing and blinding, but actually I felt like, The flexibility has to oh, come from us. Yeah. Uh, that's what mm -hmm. I've always, that's, that's, to be honest, that's been really important for me in the industry. We cannot talk about empowering women without empowering women. Mm -hmm. um, and I, you know, I had a big problem with a lot of the magazines for that exact reason. You know, I felt like we talk about empowering women, we talk about flexibility, yet we're not offering it. Okay, yeah. this is a problem. This this doesn't work, or we're not we don't pay the women as much as we pay the men. What? Sorry, we're running campaigns and we're not paying them. This makes no sense. Yeah. So you know what we're saying? You and die that's on one your thing. Wall, yeah. Your and, word. Yeah, and you were one of these people that whenever you said right, there's big budgets for you. I'm like, what? You yeah. know, like you were always advocating. No, if I can get you, I'm going to get it for you. It wasn't like, oh yeah, just because you were a magazine or whatever. You know, you're no. always there, left, right, and center, always pulling it together and putting the value on, on makeup. Exactly, and, and the value that's... should be done on skills. Yeah. Right? And, and you know, and on the other side as well, like, you know, there's a lot of pressure for, you know, what do they say, for a working, for a, a woman to work like she doesn't have a child and, mm -hmm. to, and to be a parent and to be a mother as if she doesn't work, right? And that is so true. You know, we are expected to do it all and not, you know, and not sacrifice the other. It's impossible. It's yeah. impossible, and a lot of us learnt that during the during the pandemic, yeah. where we had no childcare, where we didn't have access to family. You cannot have it all, right? Yeah. So I think I would hope for the industry that we are leaders in that. I would like to see the beauty industry be the leaders in that flexible working environment, in being able to work a couple of days a week and that not be seen as a failure or not be seen mm -hmm. as part-time, being seen as, you know, valuing your mental well-being, valuing your work-life balance and still being kick-ass successful, Yeah. right? So, you know, that's where I would hope that the industry can go from yeah. here. I hope so too. <laughs> right, Lauren, thank you so much for your insight. Thank you for um, having me. It was me. just lovely just putting you on the chair instead of you interviewing me. So it's yeah. been a pleasure. And uh, I look forward to seeing what you achieve next. Oh, thank you.